0: Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info.
1: Welcome to the new Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Monday, January 2nd, 2023. This is the first episode of the new year. Happy New Year to you. I'm Peter Biello. Coming up on today's episode, will an online maternal health care program help mothers across the state? One Atlanta OBGYN practice is looking to find out. The FDA is using blockchain technology to track your food from farm to table. And we'll revisit a story we really enjoyed, the story of how Savannah's scariest stories aren't about ghosts. These stories and more are coming up on Georgia Today. An Atlanta OBGYN practice is piloting an online maternal health care program. Virtual prenatal care visits could make care more accessible for patients in and outside Metro Atlanta. GPB's Ellen Eldridge has more.
0: Mothers-to-be can now use telehealth after the 20th week of pregnancy. And enhanced post-delivery monitoring kits help determine risks like preeclampsia and depression. Dr. Jill Purdy is the medical director at Northside Women's Specialists. She says telehealth care offers advantages over traditional office visits.
1: Data is showing that we're not missing anything. And in fact, we may actually be picking up on things sooner
0: because we are
1: patients do have the ability to check their blood pressure, their weight, their fetal heart rate at home. And they're
0: actually doing that more often than we would see them in the office. The only downside Purdy sees to online appointments is a lack of face-to-face connection when the camera isn't working. For GPB News, I'm Ellen Eldridge.
1: The Food and Drug Administration, which regulates nearly 80 percent of the nation's food supply, is turning to blockchain technology to track food from farm to table. GPB's Sophie Gradas reports.
0: According to the FDA, tracking contaminated foods via blockchain will take about a week compared to the average month under the old model. The new tracking system is the latest mandate under the 2011 Food Safety and Modernization Act. Thousands of people are hospitalized every year with foodborne illnesses, and billions of dollars are spent on associated medical costs. The updated food traceability list includes soft cheeses, tomatoes, deli salads, nut butters, and other items more often associated with disease outbreaks. Those items will be assigned lot codes that can track food digitally. Harvesters, processors, manufacturers, and others in the food chain have three years to start complying with the new record-keeping system effective next month. For GPB News, I'm Sophie Gradas in Macon.
1: As we look back at some stories you might have missed in 2022, we'll learn how students in Metro Atlanta schools got the chance to mingle with barnyard animals and learn about food production as part of a new USDA initiative to get young Georgians interested in agriculture. GPB's Riley Bunch reports.
0: Tuesday was not a typical day at Chattahoochee Hills Charter School. Students from kindergarten through eighth grade lined up outside to meet some interesting new classmates. How are y'all this morning?
2: Good.
3: Good. This is Lana. Lana is a Jersey cow.
0: The young Georgians got the opportunity to mingle with Lana and a wide variety of other farm animals, from your average goats and donkeys to even a red-tailed boa constrictor. They were also sent home with seeds to plant to see if they could grow produce in their own backyards. The event was the kickoff of a new initiative by the USDA to get students interested in urban farming. Arthur Tripp, state executive director for the Farm Service Agency, says immersive programs like this one are imperative for the state.
1: You know, it's so
2: important for us to bridge the gap uh, so our young people uh, know where their food comes from and hopefully uh, they will play a role in that production in the future.
0: The mobile farm will make stops at schools in both Fulton and Gwinnett counties in the coming weeks. For GPB News, I'm Riley Bunch.
1: Attorney by day, historical tour guide by night. Brandon Carter skips the ghost stories in favor of things that actually happened throughout Savannah's morbid history. GPB's Benjamin Payne reports. Walk
3: around downtown Savannah on any given night, and you're bound to see people going on ghost tours. No wonder why, as Savannah has a reputation as being one of America's most haunted cities. So much so that the ghost tour business has become a sort of cottage industry there, with companies competing to spin the spookiest yarn. But as one local history buff puts it, Savannah has so much dark history that you don't need to make any up.
2: Quick intro, my name is Brandon. I'm an attorney here in Savannah. I'm a former park ranger for the Richmond National Battlefield Park.
3: Brandon Carter is greeting a group of a dozen or so people in downtown Savannah. They've gathered on Bay Street to embark on a tour, but not just any tour. It's his Savannah Dark History Tour, A new passion project of Carter's that keeps things creepy without falling for tall tales and giving in to ghost stories.
2: I'm not a big ghost guy, so we're not going to talk about ghosts on this. If that's what you were expecting, let me know, I'm happy to to refund you, but what we are going to do is uh, review some original history that I've done, original research, we're going to talk about things um, that actually happened in Savannah, and when we talk about those things we're actually going to be where most of those things happened. Um, We're also going to poke some holes in some of those ghost tour myths.
3: One of the first stops on the tour is Johnson Square. It was the first of the city's iconic public squares to be laid out when Savannah was established in 1733.
2: Savannah was built upon death. And the reason being, James Oglethorpe. James Oglethorpe is a member of the House of Commons. He's only 25 or 26 years old. This is 1722 when he takes his seat, and I should mention Oglethorpe himself killed a man less than five months before taking his seat. Oglethorpe was in a tavern in England. He accuses a man beside him of stealing a gold piece and alcohol factors into a lot of this. So Oglethorpe accuses the man beside him of stealing a gold piece. Um, the man had not touched Oglethorpe's gold piece. He picks the man so much that the man attacks him and Oglethorpe stabs him and it's ruled self-defense. That's So Oglethorpe is able to take his seat, but in 1728 after he's been in Parliament for six years, he has a buddy named Robert Cassidy. Castile. Castile's a fairly well-to-do guy and he writes this really neat quasi like travel-slash-art guide to Europe. That goes bust and Castile loses everything and they throw Castile into debtor's prison in London and Castile will die of smallpox in debtor's prison. And from Castile's death, Oglethorpe comes up with the idea for Georgia. Georgia will be to relieve the economically distressed it is because, again point one, of Castile's death that Georgia is born out of death.
3: Savannah saw a lot of death in 1820. That was when the city was hit by a yellow fever epidemic. Carter says it killed more than 10% of Savannah's population. And unfortunately, it wouldn't be the city's only such yellow fever outbreak.
2: We did have another one in 1854 where even more people died.
3: To talk about it, Carter takes people outside a brewery. They used to house a hotel called City Hotel.
2: The myth is that hundreds of people died in this hotel during yellow fever. Here's your first myth-busting of the evening. This is the only hotel that stayed open in the 1854 Yellow Fever epidemic. So if anything, this is the place that saved lives. Yellow Fever killed over 1,000 people. It's 1,060 people in Savannah in 1854. It killed 10 doctors, it killed three med students, and the Catholic bishop here. Uh, Ironically, not even ironically, I should say sadly, during the yellow fever epidemic a hurricane hit in the second week of september so not only do you have yellow fever running rampant but now you've got people who've lost homes people who have drowned it was horrible in savannah in 1854 they didn't know what was causing it, um, it things that were blamed for it in 1854 of course we now know of course it's mosquitoes but they blamed it. there was mud being dredged from the river so that bigger ships could get up it they blamed it on the mud that was being piled up on either side of the river and they also blamed it on germs from a danish ship
3: No dark history tour would be complete without a stop at the cemetery, Colonial Park Cemetery, that is, which opened back in 1750. It's not your typical graveyard, as it sits on just a single city block downtown. It might appear small compared to most other cemeteries, but looks can be deceiving. In
2: 1998, an archeological study was done of this cemetery. It was a, a ground penetrating radar, which told us where every person was buried in the cemetery. Uh, we now know that there are almost 10,000 burials in Colonial Park Cemetery, meaning that wherever you step in here, you are stepping on, on, on someone. There are less than 700 headstones still existing in the cemetery. So we don't know where 90% of the people who, uh, who are in there where they are. Um, and again, this is something that I think truly is dark history
3: Carter says that study also busted a commonly held myth that still perpetuates today. The myth being that Colonial Park Cemetery houses a mass grave from the city's first yellow fever epidemic. In fact, the ground penetrating radar found no sign of that.
2: Though almost every inch of this ground is used and people are buried side by side, there was no large amount of ground disturbed that could house an actual mass burial in there. So there are all individual graves in there.
3: A few stops later, we arrive at the end point of the tour, the Mercer House, also known as the Mercer Williams House. It was here that antique dealer Jim Williams fatally shot 21-year-old Danny Hansford in the early 80s. The killing was the basis of a book published in 1994 that you may have heard of.
2: come called Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. It will stay on the New York Times bestseller list for three years. Savannah's economy at that time is not driven by tourism but because of what happens in that book and people want to come to Savannah and see the zoo animals that are the citizens of Savannah the tide takes up. In 2019 pre-COVID 15 million people came to Savannah and spent three billion dollars. Remember Savannah is born out of death and Savannah thrives because of the death of Danny Hansford. Savannah is the only city in America that is born out of death and that thrives out of death. Not Salem, Massachusetts, not Gettysburg, Pennsylvania can make that claim. I think that Savannah and death are more intertwined than any other city in the United States. Thank you all so much for spending two hours on a Saturday night, in college football season no less, uh, coming out here. If y'all have any questions, please feel free to lay them on me and I'd be happy happy to answer them.
3: I did have one question for Carter after the tour. Throughout the tour, there are a few moments when you would like bust myths. Would you consider yourself a Ghostbuster?
2: (laughs) That's the most awesome question ever. I would absolutely consider myself a Ghostbuster, um, and I may start using that. Thank you. (laughs) For
3: GPB News, I'm Benjamin Payne in Savannah.
1: And that's it for today's edition of Georgia Today. For more news from GPB, check out our Georgia Today newsletter at gpb.org newsletters and visit our website, gpb.org news. Your feedback is welcome. As always, tell us by email what you've been thinking about this podcast, maybe something you'd like to hear on it in the new year. You can email us at GeorgiaToday@gpb.org. at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thank you so much for listening.